Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We have made it to a Friday. Thanks to all the folks who stopped by to see us during Husker Harvest Days over the past three days. A great show and a great opportunity to hear and see many of you. Uh, Lower numbers we saw in the grain complex today as we look the only positive came out of the wheat side of it. Oh, flip over to the livestock side, some higher cattle and some lower hogs. We're going to really dive into what's happening in this market trade, including what's going on with Ukraine and Russia with wheat planting uh, coming up here. The UAW strike expectations, too, for what we're going to see in South America. Lots that we got to focus on for this Friday afternoon as Sean Hackett joins us with Hackett Financial Advisors. And I guess, Sean, we got to kind of kick it off with the fact that wheat planting not only underway here in the States, but we're going to be looking at some wheat planting for our folks over in Ukraine and Russia. Yeah, I mean, we know what, what happens in Russia-Ukraine doesn't stay in Russia-Ukraine. Now, obviously, we've been focused on geopolitics for a long time, but what really is critical now is can they get the crop planted on time? Can they get it planted in good conditions? And can they get a good stand? You know, can they get a good uh, um, start to the, to, the, to the crop season. Russia has been very fortunate the last few years. They've gotten off to a good start, but when we're looking at the moisture maps, the subsoil moisture is extremely dry. And we look out over the next 30 days, it looks to me like it could be one of the driest 30 days coming up here in about 35 years, which would really press how quickly they can get this crop in the ground. And if they decide to do so, you know, what kind of establishment are we going to see? And I'm, I think this could start to be a very big story that the market might want to trade here over the next few weeks because you know getting the crop off to the, to the right start in winter wheat is so very very important and if they don't then we're immediately going to see the market start to dial down expectations for this upcoming crop cycle which um as we know russia has been setting the wheat price for a while and it may be what gives them reason to maybe back off the pedal and and maybe not sell as much at these lower prices as they've been willing to so i think that's a big story we need to pay attention to it could be the first you know weather related market moving event um, on the new crop cycle coming up and who knows what's going to happen politically between those two countries as well well that's true i mean this is a, what i just mentioned is weather but you know obviously the geopolitics as, as of yet has not been settled and there still could be a lot of issues that can uh, come up that would additionally excite the market or get the market concerned about uh, availability of the supply that's already there. So I think for a lot of reasons, when I look at the wheat price, you know, let's take uh, you know SRW here at six or just under six. I mean, I don't see a whole lot of weather premium, geopolitical premium, or surprise demand side premium in there. So there, to me, the your physical buyer of wheat here, the risk reward looks to me to be outstanding at this point, given all the optionality to the upside that we see. You know, we a lot of times we'll talk when we're talking strikes, uh, we're dealing with, with ports, um, usually in South America, but the United Auto Workers uh, strike has uh, caught some attention as well. It has. You know, it's always hard to gauge, uh, you know, how long it will last. But this kind of a, of a strike, if it were to last three or four weeks, the, the tentacles that it would impact could quickly push the United States into at least a, a brief recession. And then the question becomes, if that's happens um you know how do capital markets react and does it put the federal reserve on a more defensive position meaning you know they've been all geared up for another rate increase for fighting inflation but if all of a sudden we have this rogue wave that puts the economy into recession you know maybe you know it might push the fed into being more accommodative which is something that we haven't 
had in a long time, and it, and it could be what's important in getting the U.S. dollar rally that's been very strong here in recent weeks to maybe turn over and go back down, which always helps our competitiveness and helps U.S.-based agricultural commodities. Well, of course, you know, uh, that's not a positive that we see within the trade uh, for the UAWs, but it's interesting how something like that would have, like you said, the tentacle effect on, on, on agriculture and the trade that we're going to see in the in the coming weeks. Well, I, you know, it's it's just interesting. I mean, because if it does put the economy uh, uh, under stress and if it does create some momentum to the downside in the economy, um, all of a sudden the whole monetary landscape changes. And all of a sudden we get the Fed thinking the risks are now possibly to the downside and they may need to rethink the data, rethink how they're approaching um, monetary policy interest rates as we go into an election year, which no politician wants to run on a platform that the economy is in recession. Well, for me. So, you know, initially you would always think that, you know, this is a negative for markets and maybe they are reacting negatively right away as they are today in stock in the stock market. But just over the you know just over the horizon it actually could be an interesting positive if it takes the fed off of its relentless interest rate increase tightening cycle that they've been under for quite some time so what potential do we see with with south america and their upcoming growing season weighing on us as we try to get a crop out of the ground and and hope to entice some export buyers well for you know last year you know it was all about argentina drought half a crop that sort of thing but the, what we came to understand last year was Argentina is fairly small relative to Brazil. Brazil is turning out to be the big dog when it comes to the pricing of corn and soybeans especially. Most people think El Nino is going to produce good crop conditions in uh, in Brazil, and we disagree. We think that we're moving into what's called a central-based El Nino. It's called an El Nino Modicai, and when you get that kind of a center-based warm sea surface temperatures of the Pacific, you can get a very, very dry central north, central west, specifically Mato Grosso, from December through spring. And that means half the soybean crop would be at great risk for some serious drought. And most importantly, second crop corn, which is almost 70 to 75 percent of the total crop production out of Brazil, would be under significant duress. We really feel drought risks in Brazil this coming growing cycle could be the big story that drives um, concern and, and, and weather premium as we go through this phase. And so we're really thinking that not all is going to be well on the Western Front based upon this differentiating El Nino cycle. All right, well, folks, stick around. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Now Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge. But with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top-performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com slash rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. KRVN. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Sean Hackett. Sean, of course, is with Hackett Financial Advisors. We left off, Sean, you know, talking about uh, South America. And obviously, there's going to be a lot of things that can happen between now and then. But it just seems like, as of late... Their crop has put so much pressure on ours. Even before our new crop is done, 
We've got countries still looking to South America to buy their old before their new is even in the ground. Yeah, especially from Brazil. I mean, Brazil is really, I mean, if you just look at the numbers, they're becoming dominant in uh, soybeans and, and, and corn. They're, they're starting to become the number one player where we used to hold that role. And it just seems to me that the, that the marketing pricing cycle might be shifting towards winter, spring as being the most important part of price discovery, so long as Brazil is able and willing to continue to add acres and grow production at the rate that they're at. You know, it seems like they're just going to be the, the, the price center, just like Russia has become the price center for wheat. It looks like they're becoming the price center for soybeans and corn. And that's something we have to pay attention to. We have to shift our marketing strategies around what happens around Brazil's crop production cycle more so than we've been accustomed to in the past. So looking at the beans here in the States, and you and I were talking about this before we started the program, I mean, dry land we knew would be decreased numbers, but the size of the bean, um, you said, could become a big factor as well. Yeah, I mean, it's always harder to figure yields on soybeans because you can count all the pods you want, but it's, it's, it's you know, how many beans and what are the size of the beans when you when you go harvest it? And it looks to me that we're seeing more and more evidence that the beans... The numbers of beans are there, but the size of the beans are, in some cases, half the size that they were last year. And so, you know, when you run through what that means for yield, it would seem to me that that means a further adjustment down the line. Obviously, down the line, you know, how long does it take the USDA to kind of figure out that kind of a, of a situation? Sometimes it could take them up until January to figure it out. But nonetheless, it does look like directionality-wise, we're looking at yields coming under 50 bushel to the acre and we don't have a lot of ending stocks left to remove before we get to bare minimum pipeline levels that's something the market's going to have to address once harvest pressure subsides here all right switch gears let's look at the livestock side got to talk to you about first the dairy kind of what's your thoughts as we look at this month of september well you know dairy has found a a happy new home in this uh mid-18 uh 19 area up from 13 and a half spot price back in july so, you know, that's been a huge change in the uh, price dynamics for dairy. And while that's still not a price that exactly makes everybody pay their bills, it's a whole lot better than it was. And we're fairly optimistic that the amount of reduction in uh, herd size around the world due to herd liquidation because of those very low prices. And we're also watching New Zealand. Remember, New Zealand's big production months are August through December, it looks to me like they're going into and have are in fact in a serious drought, which means their pasture growth goes down, their cow efficiency goes down, and they could see production come up short, which would be the first bright spot that maybe GDT auctions that set world cash prices could start to, to perk up here a little bit. So we, we feel we've done a lot to the upside recently, and maybe we need to digest that for a while. But looking at everything that we see, it looks to me like prices are looking better going into the first half of 2024. And we might finally get a price that farmers could actually pay all their bills and leave a little bit extra for themselves. That is wonderful to hear. Uh, What about these higher cattle we've seen in the second day in a row with some decent numbers? Yeah, last couple of days we've traded the new highs. You know, we continue to trade the... Uh, the there's not going to be any supply for the next 12 to 18 months, and, it, and we're not yet seeing enough evidence uh, that demand is reacting negatively enough to offset that. 
And, um, you know, my biggest worry uh, all along, Susan, has been that we've seen the cattle price in the number one exporter in the world in Brazil drop 30% here over the last six months. In Australia, the third largest exporter, their prices have dropped 40%. But so far, those crashing prices have not deterred our market from continuing to try to find at what level will the U.S. consumer finally back off the pedal and buy some time for this herd rebuilding cycle to get going. And there's a lot of hope and optimism if the if we get some rain, get some grass growing once again, we might start to see that herd pick up. Absolutely, 100% agree with that. All right, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sean? We have a Twitter page, at Faradex11, and our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com, where you know we have some information on our uh, interviews and our work, and how we do things to see if how we look at the markets might be of value to your listeners. All right, Sean Hackett joining us today. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell. It's been brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers. Check it out as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you subscribe for those free podcasts. And as Fontenelle transitions into the new channel brand, they're excited and expanding product offerings, greater local agronomic support, and more digitally enhanced tools. It's today's Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.